oh yeah, oh yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Oh yeah. Welcome to another episode of Thoughts and Tea, Tea and Tea with your girl, T. <laughs> Me. Way past 21. I want to believe me, baby. Oh, how I missed you guys. And I did make you a promise that I would be back, and here I am. If you remember last week, I told you that I was initiating the community series and that I was going to be starting with my men. That means boy. I'm a man. Well, let's say T kept her promise. I'm a natural lover's man. Because T is a woman of her word. I'm a man. I'm a hoochie coochie man. Sitting on the outside. Just me and my mate. You know I'm made to moon, honey. So today's episode, we have four brilliant young men. Four young men from four different places, four different parts of the world. We are representing the continent, the islands, and the Americas. Am I smart or am I smart? Damn tea. You're good. You're better than good. I think it'll be helpful to know that our men are between the ages of 25 to 35. And so we get to talk to them and get perspective from them. Am I the only one who's excited? Because I am sweating out here. It's a lot of testosterone that's going to be on this podcast today. I'm not complaining though, am I? Anyway, anyway, you know how I get when I get excited. So we're just going to go right into it again. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Thoughts and Tea. Tea and Tea with your girl, Tea. (laughs) Me. Let the conversations of manhood begin. Um, 
So guys, as I told you, we're starting the community series with our men. And here with me are men between ages 25 to 35. And, you know, tea cannot be boring. So I had to spice it up. I know who they are, but I know you guys don't know who they are. And so I'd like them to just mention their names and the country they're from, and we can just start. Okay, so Eeny, Meeny, Miny, who wants to start? Hi, guys. Um, okay, so I start. Let me, let me go. My <laughs> name is Jeff Mitra from Ghana. Next. Hey, guys. My name is Dwayne White, Jr. from Trinidad and Tobago. Hi, guys. My name is... Nati from South Africa. Hey, I am Joseph Joyo Young, Jr. from Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, guys, um, listeners, you guys cannot see, but I'm laughing so hard because Joyo, why did you add Joyo, Joseph Joyo? Why, you know, that's not a Joyo is not on your government, like it's not your birth certificate. <laughs> yes, I'm putting your business name. down there. Four name. So when you ask for me to put my name on record, that's what happens. You get the whole thing. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I was going to say for you guys to tell us one interesting thing that about your country, just one interesting thing. Um, and uh, we're just going to go in the order that we started from. So yeah, Jeffrey, what's one interesting thing about Ghana? One interesting thing about Ghana? Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing. Come on, man. Well, I think, I think uh, well, I've been here like almost my whole life, so um, it gets a bit boring, but... Um, to tourists, I think there are a lot of tourist attractions in Ghana, and uh, and yeah, yeah, you you might want to come and see Ghana for yourself because it's pretty cool to people coming in. But for me, that I've been in here for like a while, it's like it's like the same old things, yeah. So one interesting thing about Trinidad and Tobago, I must say, is our cannibals and the ability to conceptualize new forms of the tradition and to contemporize the tradition, the traditional carnival as well, the carnival and a whole as, as well. We are the founders of carnival itself in the world. We have the traditional aspects of carnival um, and then the, let's say, the, the other aspects, the, the bikini and beads aspects of the carnival. So, Sometimes you mix it and have a a nice a nice a traditional contemporary vibe going on it. So it's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, about South Africa, I think I'm I'm in Johannesburg, but being all over South Africa, I think we have a good. It's very diverse. You have the city life, then you have the the what's village life but there's not much village left anymore but it's very nice having so much diversity we call it some we call it kasi it's a location where it's mid village but it's also closer to town and just going across cape town the nature there the the beautiful garden routes we have the kruger in pumalanga we have a lot of places that are just wonderful you know and that's that's what I actually wish people could see about South Africa, you know. Um, 
one thing that I would say is interesting about the U.S. Uh, that I would say, I, I feel like I, I have so many things that people already know, but I'll say something that's contrary to popular belief is uh, this is a country inhabited primarily by immigrants and the natives to this country are actually the minority at this time. So that's that's something that I, I feel is uh, actually rather interesting and special about such a young country, you know. So now let's just jump into it. So how would you describe the concept of manhood? What does it mean to be a man, more specifically a black man? Okay, so um, let me start from the perspective of um, of uh, the concept of manhood. Um, I personally don't uh, have a concept, but society has a concept that sort of um, frames me, that sort of comes to me. I can't really speak for me being a black person because um, Ghana is not so culturally diverse. It's not so interracial. So um, we are all black people here and uh, there's no real, you know, there's no real concepts that you can draw for a black person in Ghana. But for a man in society, as a man, you're supposed to make money. Yeah, that's, well, that's what society defines. And that's what, um, and I think, I think I can relate to that uh, in, in a way. Because um, as a man, you just, you just need to make money. That's, that's, that's it. My concept is that it's it's all it's all about it's all about perspective i would say i must it's all about perspective it's all about how you grew up what have you thought what have you been taught a man was was supposed to be like you know um i think once you look at to provide and take responsibility for whatever you own in your life, whatever. It could be whatever you own in your life. You know, take responsibility and provide where that's necessary. Well, what I think about being a man, uh, uh, being a man in general, uh, the concept of um, how it all comes down to how we raise to believe men are, you know? The men in our community, I guess, they, they are the men who shape us to look at what, what a man is, you know, what what kind, what men, how men behave and, uh, you know, how we represent ourselves. So let me just make an example of, uh, I'm raised where my father walks in the kitchen, he's comfortable making his own food and all that. And there was a visitor who came by and that man didn't wasn't a man who went into a kitchen. He, his wife did everything for him, brought his plates and his, his tea, if he makes tea, then takes back the tea, the plates to the kitchen and all that, you know? So for me, what the, the kids that side, they also didn't, the boys that side also didn't go to the kitchen much because they believe that women belong in the kitchen. So it all, it all comes down to how the community you are raised in how they view men, what the men they do, and how how they act, you know. So that's what I I think. But being a black man also is a less privileged low because a lot of us are just starting out in our families, not uh, 
it's not like a white man who has the resources to to know that after school I'm gonna be uh, a supervisor at my uncle's firm or something. But for us, it's like I have to build my family as a black man. You know, you are the family. What what you have to build your family from there. Thank you, Joyo. Um, for me, uh, and, and really kind of going off of what you said, exactly. Uh, uh, manhood uh, comes down to the support of a family. Um, a, a man is someone who supports the family. And I mean, especially in this country, uh, the idea of what a family is, is this constantly changing and ever evolving uh, idea. Um, but as far as I was raised within a black family, you know, switching over to what a black man is in this country, um, as someone who, you know, is, I don't know, it, it, it's tough. You know, you, you can go from a very little, I'll, I'll just go for more literal, uh, than, the, than anything else. Uh, a black man is someone of like predominant African descent. Um, and I guess, I know that's kind of like, yeah, whatever, but it's, it, it's kind of, it, it's what a black man is. Um, I guess if, if you go into uh, <laughs> Webster or something, you'll find, you'll find that's pretty much just the definition, at least in this country. Okay, so I, I can get the, the, the hint that y'all are trying to be like, you know, diplomatic-ish <laughs> with your answers, okay? See, this well, podcast, think- we don't censor it, okay? So let me be a lot more direct. According to you, I mean, Jeffrey said it's about making money. What are some of these, these external or societal factors that affected your concept of manhood? You know, that has shaped you as an individual about what it means for you to be a man? Well, everybody has actually said something about what society expects a man to be. Society expects a man to be responsible. Society expects a man to um, be the breadwinner of a house. Society expects a man to um, you know, do all the right things, you understand? Like, just do all the right things in life and ensure that people, that people are dependent on you. But like every man, it's supposed to have a dependent. That's what society has made it look like. So, um, well, for me, I think, yeah, that's what society um, defines a man to be, like somebody who should, you know, be responsible for people's fuck-ups. So according to you, Jeffrey Lutrot, that's what yeah. you, you, you define it to be, according to you. Yeah. Yes, okay. All right, Dwayne? According to me, society defines a man to be much like what Jeff said, much like responsible for his actions, responsible for his, his responsibilities and or leave a legacy, right? Leave a legacy basically, leave a legacy of, of what, right? So that is the question that the man has to answer, I find. If they accept me to leave a legacy, leave a legacy of what? And as a man, I would say, do what you are good at, and people will remember you for it. 
even though there's multiple stuff going on, even though there's multiple people doing the same thing, as you leave that legacy with what you're doing, you showing them well. You are you are you is the first one to actually start that legacy and that's what society deems as a man, I I believe. Okay. Linda. But then uh, again, yeah, as I said, yeah, communities shape us into what kind of men we grow up to into, you know, a lot of times our families are also the backbone, you know. But uh, what I feel, uh, Dwayne said something about do what you're good at. Uh, eventually, I feel like eventually as a man, we are pushed out of what we, we actually good, good at. Like if I'm good at painting or something and it doesn't give me any, Nothing it doesn't comes. provide any, anything to the family, uh, then it, it, it forces me as a man to go out and do something that will bring bread to the table, you know? So the painting that I'm good at, if it's not, it's it's good. It's as good as nothing if it's not bringing anything to the table as a man, you know. So yeah, but I feel like we just uh, the society has set a pedestal that we are the providers, and yeah, the family is like go out there and do your thing, bring back the bread. Yeah, that's that's what, how I feel. I feel the same way especially when it comes to the responsibility. You know, you really have to like balance that. Like if you're a painter, you know, it's either, oh, my, my painting's not there. So maybe I need to push it more. But at what point do you stop? And you're just like, no, I need to put these down. I need to go to the market. I need to, uh, I need to find a trade. I need to do something, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's that responsibility that comes in. And I feel, especially with manhood, for me now, I, and I'm looking at it from, from a, I guess, a modern, obviously a modern perspective, more so than a traditional one, is also accounting for your own human error, you know? Uh, understanding what your own limits are and what you can do. Like, how much, how much can you do? Um, of course, never selling yourself short, but uh, understanding that balance between owning the responsibility um, of supporting that family and also understanding uh, your own limits as a human being. Okay, so the next question is, I mean, I think you guys are familiar with all the, the talk that, especially we women, like all the things we say about men, you know, that are, let me say non-men, there's a lot of talk by non-men about men. <laughs> Have you guys heard any of these things and what are your opinions? I mean, if you've heard it, feel free to state some of the things that you've heard people say about men that you you know what they are, whether or not you agree with them. Okay, so um, I have four things that um, non-men, right. <laughs> he said four things. Oh boy, that's why you're talking for everybody now. Yeah, no. So I'm I'm talking for for myself. What I what I've heard for my space. Um, the first thing that's like seventy percent. Like now in recent times, well, in, in from my perspective and for my social, you know, um, relations is that most men are rapists. Like there's no there's no um, definition to it. There's no 
um, categorization of it, um, sexual abuse, uh, sexual harassment, everything. Everything combined is just generalized, like the whole generalization that um, all men are rapists, um, probably we can't control our libidos or something of the sort. Um, that's one. Um, I took that one out of the, the whole, the other description of men being trash. And in men being trash, um, people, women think, well, with non-men, we are talking about women, right? Right now, there are multiple forms of gender identification. Okay, so right. you ought, so, yeah, you ought to be so, sensitive. So non-men, um, people generalize men as pedos, um, as in pedophiles. Uh, people say men are, you know, opportunists. Sometimes the opportunists in the sense that they play with women's feelings. Like it's a whole generalization, yeah, that men are trash. Um, there's also the other side where people, um, I think this is a bit traditional. Um, society says, man, the, uh, we've already, dis we've already um, discussed this already. Society and non-men say um, we are the breadwinners of the family and, you know, like we just have to break our back to, to make things work for, you know, your dependents and all that. And finally, we are just dangerous. Men are dangerous. Like, don't play with a man. We are, it's, it's, it's a gender war. So like, yeah, like men are dangerous and all others are, you know, trying to make sense out of the situation. But yeah, that's what I have. But wait, um, men are dangerous. Isn't it that Iluma who said that? The main plan that is mentioned about men over here in the society is men are dogs. Main plan, men are dogs. All men is dogs, all men are dogs. That is what they just say. They, that is what they just say. <laughs> In sense, right? Um, basically, I would say it have different types of, it have different types of plans they mention about men. I don't want to be mean one. In, in the perspective of relationship, mainly in the perspective of let me see, um, different gender friendships. Um, another slang would say is like soft man, a soft man basically. Yeah, right? If you can keep a female in a life, if you can keep a female in a life, if you know, um, if you are, if you are basically passive, right, in dealing with situations, you are a soft man. Because the team, because the next gender dominant, you know, um, that's the main, that's the main thing they say about that. I, I would say, so that's, I would say, well, if all men are dog, I mean, dog is someone's best friend, right? A man's best friend and not the gender man, but mankind. So, isn't, yeah, I, I don't know. Come on, man. <laughs> Wait. So on the island, the two things are men are dogs, and yeah. if you if a man is like you know passive, he's soft. Yeah, soft. You know, like if he can, if if he's timid to tell his his partner in a relationship his mind, or if if he's too if he's procrastinating. I don't know if that's a way. If he's procrastinating about 
um, his decisions in a relationship. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, like, tell me a minor, you know, all a man like to let people read it between the lines. That kind of, so, yeah. Okay, we're going to get back to that because now two people have said two similar things. All right, Lindo. Uh, I feel like, okay, I feel like when one thing that's said sometimes is also like, men are not not man enough you know because uh, you don't portray maybe the uh, a certain masculinity or you're soft as they said you know uh, if you can't provide as well you are you provide emotionally or financially or physically if if my girlfriend if i'm working with my girlfriend and and someone tries to pick a fight and i just stand there and watch uh, or something and then physically, I'm not man enough. Like you, you backed out of that fight and you soft or something. So those are stuff we, we hear. Uh, I'm trying not to repeat what the guy said, but that's, that's what people who are not men say about men. Yeah, one of the things I've noticed as well. Um, one thing that I hear about a lot, especially with, um, in, the, in this new age of like feminism, is about toxic masculinity those are like traits that are bad because men have um, accentuated specific aspects of masculinity it's not saying that all masculinity is bad but an accentuation of certain aspects of it like for example always having to be macho always having to be like the big man or something is uh aspect uh and it can trickle into things like abuse or assault or something like that and that's something that is uh something that you know i'm becoming more and more aware of but on the other end we don't really look at um toxic femininity but I'll I'm gonna put a pin in that one, and I'm gonna let the women discuss that. I'm gonna slap to that. I'm gonna slap yeah, to that. yeah. Slap no, that. see, this is not about women, okay? This is not about women. Dwayne, Jeffrey, y'all need to get it together. We're here to talk about men. I'm just smiling. Like, I'm just smiling. Like, <laughs> uh, but as far as going back to masculinity, and uh, yeah, I can definitely agree with uh, a lot of these guys. You know, uh, just trying to find that balance of, of, you know, I know (laughs) I'm a man, therefore I have masculinity. It's built in genetically. Uh, You know, I'm I'm towing a line here, of course, but uh, yeah, so I have masculinity. How I exercise that masculinity is always in question. You know, there is some, there are feminine aspects to me as well. And I accept that and I'm comfortable with that. Uh, you know, too, not, not to the point where, you know, I put on makeup. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be resist, uh, reducing femininity to like makeup, but I'm just, I'm just being very like obvious about some, certain things, like not to the point where I, I put on makeup, but I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, the, the cleanliness, things that, like that. And of course, this is all culturally based. So this is things, you know, how people in the U.S. might best might see things, you know, feminine wise, but Finding that balance to where I'm comfortable within 
the society I'm living in is not just me being comfortable, but also when I go outside, you know, how are people looking at my jeans being a little tight, you know, or, you know, sometimes I, I might have a pink shirt on, you know, so how, how do people, how are people viewing that and, you know, always balancing that kind of comfort. So from what I picked up, I heard mas- the word masculinity be repeated a few times. So I took, I took a note of it. And I want to understand what exactly is masculinity, because I think we all kind of have an idea about what toxic masculinity is. But then what, according to you, is masculinity? What does, what, what? what, is, what um, yeah, what is toxic masculinity? What's it? Uh, from a woman's perspective, ne? Okay. If we say toxic masculinity, wait, why are you asking me questions? It's my oh, show. <laughs> I want to know what you think. What you think toxic masculinity is? I want to know what you think. Okay, so toxic masculinity to me, the way I understand it, is pretty much putting men in a place where we almost dehumanize. To be human means to be sensitive, to be vulnerable, to be and like Jeffrey, um, sorry, like Joyo put it, um, it's about balance because all of us have both feminine and masculine. Uh, characteristics about us so physically men and women are predisposed to be able to do certain things a certain way based on our biological makeup you know but I think that toxic masculinity is where you put a man in a place like an example I'll give is when they say men don't cry when they say men don't cry, I think that is wrong because like all that pent up tension, all that pent up trauma, at some point it's going to find a way to come out. Okay. But then again, too, Dwayne mentioned the concept of being soft if you're not, like if you're passive. So that's what I'm asking you. What does masculinity mean? And that's what I'm saying. Stop asking me questions on my own show because I'm not a man. <laughs> okay. No, but I think, I think um, non-men defined what toxic masculinity is. I don't, I don't know. Well, I don't know of any man who actually coined up that term. I don't think it was coined up by men. By men. Yeah. I don't think so. So like, you're the best person to actually tell us what it is. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. So in order for me to tell you what toxic masculinity is, you need, you need to tell me what masculinity is. <laughs> it's all this, isn't it? Like all this, like this, like this, like all of this, like, you know, our listeners cannot see you. What is all this? They should, they should see me. Like this part of your podcast, you see, like you should, like you know, record a video and like put me up there. <laughs> um, so masculinity is, I mean, it's the same thing. We discussed this already. It's part of the, it's, it's the whole manhood thing, right? That's that's basically yeah. it. That's basically it. Okay. Basically it. So behaviors and all that, like. Oh, there's all that. Being macho, being insensitive, yeah. being stinky yeah. and smelly. Oh, being assertive. Being assertive. <laughs> I can't believe you literally just started asking me questions on my show. Jeffrey, watch well, yourself. Because you're asking, you're asking questions that we can't answer. <laughs> but you're the man, though. Okay. Anyways. Okay, fine. Let's move forward. <laughs> so, now... What are some of the biggest challenges you face as a man? And I'm sure that this will be different based on, you know, the society you're in, you know, the upbringing, your background overall, and even your age, because you guys are between 25 to 35. And so your challenges might be different from 
a 13, between 13 and 18 year old, you know, young man. So what are some of the challenges, the biggest challenges you face as a man? Um, okay, so for, for me, as uh, I think I'm probably one of the youngest in the group, maybe I'm between 25 to 35. So for, for my experiences and from my perspective, um, I, I don't think I have actually reached a level where society actually gives me a lot of pressure for being a man. I'm probably sure pressure will start coming when, you know, when I'm old, old, old enough to, um, but then, well, what is old enough? Like, I was about to ask, what is old, old, old enough? I finds what old enough is, but then at this level, the traditional society, you know, in Ghana, it's not really going to give me pressure, you know, to transition in life. I, and, and yeah, so I'm not really feeling anything, but then I know I've, in my workplace, I feel certain traits of what they expect a man to do. So, for example, I am taxed to do certain things. They expect that I do it in a certain way. You know, like yeah, I'm already experienced, like I already have the experience to do certain things. Like, and sometimes I'm not really delegated to be a leader of something, but they expect that, um, you know, as a man, I should, I should know how to go about things. I should know how to be able to, like without any prior, you know, tutorials or something. They just expect that you do things like you're you the whole manual. You're the manual, you're a working manual. You should know how to do things. So yeah, that's what I've experienced from work. Uh, yeah. And as of now, that is your biggest challenge you face as a man, the expectation yeah. of being a, like a working manual. Yeah, like, yeah basically that like I'm supposed to I'm supposed to be flawless I'm supposed to you know I shouldn't make mistakes I should like everything should be here yeah, on my palm like I should just look at it and be like okay this is how we solve this situation this is how you solve this problem you understand and I'm also an engineer too so like it's it's a whole problem solving thing for me yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah it's Basically, that at this level, from my experience as a man, I, I, I haven't experienced family pressure yet. Uh, I know, I know it's going to come anyways, but uh, I'm waiting for my nieces and nephews. Yeah, yeah. Is um my biggest challenge is this as a man personally is my timeline of manlyhood or manliness that the society deems as manliness and that family deemed as manliness. I, well, I am a theater practitioner uh, and a uh, um, performer and a teacher, right? Um, but before that, I was confused in terms of, as I say, challenges in becoming a man. In the process of becoming a man, I had to work my father's business and go to school. And I just didn't came out with any subjects at secondary school. I form one to five. I went back and I came out with my five classes. And but my father said, "Let's work in his come and work in his business. You know, um, trying to pay some bills." And I didn't get what I wanted to. I didn't do what I wanted to do in terms of my goals, my aspirations, and dreams, which was theater and acting and becoming a drama teacher and stuff. And that was held back from me to 
I would say the challenge is family and society in terms of society will say you 32 years old and you just finished well I finished university in 2019. So I started 2015. Yeah so in that timeline where before 2015 I was just trying to chase dreams. You know what society deems as a man. I trying to pay I trying to pay bills and taking care of my daughter who's eight. So I wasn't on no I uh, pursuing higher education until becoming a man is not just paying bills and taking care of responsibilities but educating yourself and leaving a legacy for your generation to come educationally, morally, spiritually, right? And I got that message later down in life in my manhood and I just playing catch up and I've been catching up. <laughs> so I have to say I, well, within the challenges, which is family and societal challenges, I overcome that by, I overcame that by clear will because I don't want to leave no legacy for my daughter. I mean, an uneducated father in 2020. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, so, so on my side, uh, I think uh, similar to what Jeff said, uh, as a man, I think no one is soft on me. You know? uh, at the workplace, especially at the workplace, uh, uh, they softer on the other other gender or something, but as a man, you are just given tasks to lead this through. Uh, you, even your training, your training is just not as soft as the girls, you know. Uh, as an IT or as an IT technician, the girls got they were basically doing nothing while the guys had to climb up the ladder or whatever. But uh, it's not a female or gender thing, but as a man, you just can't cry your way out of stuff, you know. You have to, we don't have that, even in society, you see a lot of men committing suicide, but they've never shown any signs of depression or anything, you know. But then we are not people who cry openly. So that's a challenge I think most men still have. And uh, but, but given the times and the days, I think it's getting better with uh, awareness and all that, but those are basically the, the challenges that I've noticed men have, you know. We are not expected to be soft. We are not expected to cry as much, you know. Uh, yeah, which is, that's on my side. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And honestly, I really like your uh, your story as well, uh, Dwayne. Very nice. Um, but yeah, just just on the on the whole note of crying, I used to be such a crybaby when I was a kid, and I feel like I just got talked out of it, um, so much, either by you know family, society, all these things, to the point that now that I know that it's actually a healthy thing to cry, I can't bring myself to. So now I have like this barrier, and what am I going to sit here and oh, should I learn how to cry again? Let me let me let me watch some videos on learning how to cry. I'm sitting here. I'm trying to develop my portfolio. 
I'm trying to, <laughs> I have, I have so many things to do. I'm not about to sit there and study this thing that is supposed to be, you know, natural to me, but I digress. Um, back to the answer of like those pressures, it, it, it kind of hits me on three levels. Um, like there's the, the society in, which is purely like financial. Society is telling me that if I cannot provide financially for my family, I am a failure. That's it. And that's it. <laughs> there's no like, there's no wiggle room for that. You know, there are some kind times, some kind moments and things of that sort. But once you, if you skip to the end, and if you also look at the fine print, it's like just no excuses, you know? Um, and then when it comes to like family and friends, for me, it's like availability. And that's like availability of my time, availability of my, uh, I, I would say time, time, time includes a lot of different things for me. It could be more so time for, of me working, you know, time of me doing dishes, time of me just sitting down and relaxing, but, you know, spending time with people. Um, and then personally um it's more like what my biggest pressure is embracing the current moment that's that is not always fearing the future or looking back on the past um or vice versa or looking towards a a, a very good future and looking back on the past you know negatively um and also just trusting god along the way can I just add to, to that point of Joyo, quick, you know, that there are, as you said, the, the pressures to provide, you know, I think a lot of men have been, have been led to even illegal stuff. When you look at crimes and all that people hijack, it's mostly men because, and when you look at it, it's they're going back to, because back home, they want you to come back with something, you know, if you're coming from some kind of family, you have to, as a man, you have to, you can't just say I'm sitting down looking for a job, you know. So I think it also has an attribute to why so many men are also doing illegal stuff like, and that's what they call their hustle, you know, to bring food to the table because we expected to to provide that food on the table, you know. So I, I think just to add to that providing part as a man, the challenge as a man to provide, either you provide or you are seen as a nothing, you know. When you were saying that, I was thinking about black tax um, and you talked about the hustle and okay, so there are all these pressures for you to provide and all that jazz, but I know that different communities have different things going on because dude, like life in America is probably going to be drastically different from life in South Africa or life in Ghana and life in Trinidad. So what is going on in these environments that are affecting the decisions you make? Hi guys. Oh my god. These men were so much fun. And just so you know, this is the first part of the podcast because I had to split it in two. You know, for the sake of time. Oh. 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 
Okay, so for those of you who don't know the song, this is actually a Ghanaian song. And this version is by Amachidede. And it says to be a man. Nawao. Nawa is actually a Nigerian phrase that has been adopted. And um, Nawa is almost like an expression of saying, like, oh my gosh. Or like, you, you can't even imagine. If someone says, eh, Nawao. It means it's unbelievable. It's it's incredible, you know. So I purposely chose this song as our outro because I thought it was most appropriate for the theme we're talking about. Anyway. I learned so much from these men. And one of the things that I think keeps recurring is despite the fact that they are all in different locations, did you catch some recurring trends and the thought patterns about what it means to be a man? Does it have to do with the fact that they're all between a certain age range? Does it have to do with perhaps the fact that they're all educated? Will that change if we spice things up again, you know, and switch things up around? I don't know. All I know is I am excited to bring you the second part of this conversation next week. And yes, you think you were laughing at this one? Wait till you hear the rest of it next week. My brother, be a man is not a Ah, I am so glad you guys stayed to listen to me. Once again, it's been your girl T on Thoughts and Tea, Tea and Tea, and I will tea you later. Clink!